0: Hello and welcome to Down to Earth Convo's Down Under, episode 13. In this episode, Ali and I bust eight money myths that might be holding young people back financially. Do you need to go to university? Is the stock market worth investing in? Do you need a credit card? Here are our thoughts on these questions and more. Hey,
1: Brad. Hey there. How are you?
0: Hey, Ali. I'm doing fantastic. How are you?
1: I'm, I'm really good too, thanks. I'm fantastic too.
0: Awesome. So we've got uh, 10 quick fire questions this week and so the first one is for you it's all these questions on the topic of you know what are some of the financial myths that might be holding teenagers back and even people well into their adult years first question Ali can I really survive in this day and age without debt
1: well my answer is going to be absolutely yes is it are we talking teenagers just to specify we're talking teenagers aren't we
0: talking teenagers yes
1: Okay. So I have a rule of thumb. It's a that foundational financial rule for me is I don't believe in personal debt. I've never had it. And that's the honest truth. And I, a story that downloads for me, I remember when I was at university, so I would have been early twenties, like 20. Yeah. Even yeah. About 20 years old. And one of my friends got a credit card to go to Hawaii on a holiday. And I even knew back then that that was an absolute no-no. We do not, please do not borrow and go into debt for personal things or consumables. You know, with the after pay, pay later, that's just credit cards are just, we'll we'll touch on credit cards maybe a little bit later. So for me, we can definitely survive without debt. Oh, absolutely we can. So the golden rule is we earn, we've got to go and earn. So if you wanted something, you've got to earn before you spend. We don't borrow to spend. Certainly not on personal non-deductible expenses. I I go into debt to buy investments and that's generally property. Uh, I wouldn't even, I don't even borrow to buy shares like it's, this is not financial advice for anyone, but we're talking teenagers. So my golden rule would be a a teenager, a young adult for a start, they can't get a credit card till they're 18. And the banks kindly send, I've got I've got had three children and I've the mail comes through me and it's congratulations, you're 18. You can now get a credit card. I'm not into that at all. Unless they have unless they know the goal, like there's certainly there are things to know about credit. And I use the analogy is that if people don't know how debt works and you get a credit card or afterpay, that's like a snowball that turns into an avalanche. The debt just grows and grows and grows. And before you know it, you'll be drowning in debt if they don't know how debt works. And if you look at the credit card interest rate, the last time I looked, it was about, well, this has probably dropped now because interest rates have dropped. But 18%, you are just treading water and soon you'll be drowning in debt. And one other story, I had this young uh, 24, Four-year-old working for me, and she was desperate for a holiday. She was taking some time off, and she was coming to me because she wanted a reference, you know, for her bank because she was going to take a credit card out because she can't cope. She need she was already struggling to make ends meet, and I said to this girl, her name was Gidget. I said, Gidget, if you're treading water now, you don't borrow to get out of trouble. You need to earn and pay down the debt, otherwise you'll just be drowning. And you know what? You live in Noosa Heads. We live in one of the most beautiful places in the world. You don't need to go anywhere, but maybe hang out at the beach and enjoy the environment around you. 100%.
0: And before you jump in and ask me the next question, I'll jump in and say, you know, I'm living proof as well, with the exception of my university degree and the debt associated with that. Um, I've always just operated on the basis that if I can't pay for it and buy it outright, then I can't afford it, right? Um, That's right save up and buy it later or question whether i actually really need it or just really want it or where it falls on that spectrum
1: oh yeah quality life's based on those quality questions do i need it and do i need it now Mm. excellent while talking about university there's a question i'd like to ask you does a college degree equal success what do you think brad
0: well it can for some people certainly some people can make it work and do very well with it there's also a growing number of people who are exceptionally qualified but they're not employed using those qualifications or they're perhaps not even employed at all and that is sad and that is tragic and i think that most people don't really think about the time opportunity and monetary costs of college university whatever you want to call it that's three, four, perhaps five years of your life where you can be working in a different job, growing your skill set, growing your income. Um, You can complete an apprenticeship within that time and get onto really good money right away versus learning, preparing your life away um, and perhaps potentially not getting anywhere. So I think one really good measure of whether college is right is... One, do you actually need it, like truly need it if you want to be, you know, a a doctor, a lawyer, an engineer, um, you're probably going to need it. But also, the other thing is, are you, outside of your studies, engaged in part-time, volunteer, um, doing something in that industry where you are so interested in it? Maybe it's uh, mopping the floors at a hospital um, maybe it's, you know, your parents are, are doctors and so you're learning actively outside of uni. If you're engaged in something outside of uni and you're actually learning it and you're actually growing it and you've been there and done it and you want to continue doing it, certainly that can be a pathway to success. It's also valid that it is a pathway to debt uh, for four years of your life gone and you've not really gained any skills because. A lot of what college and university is, is not really skills as much as rote learning, as much as really just nonsense, at least in my case, Um, that's not going to be transferable, not real skills, not real job-related skills that you can use elsewhere. So I think a lot of people aren't asking themselves those, those key questions that, as you said, Uh, have a very big impact on the quality of your life and i think if more people did that they'd stop and think hmm it's a pathway there are pathways to more money more alignment with who i am and what i want to be and what i want to do that doesn't involve going to uni and um, wasting that time and opportunity cost because it all compounds see if that's five years gone and you don't end up using your degree, or you uh, quickly leave the profession, whatever it is. That's five years of compounding effort that's been effectively nullified, and that's not ideal. It's not uh, a huge mistake that you need to, you know, curl into a ball and uh, really, really fret about. But um, yeah, it's it's not ideal, and if you can get it together sooner and, you know, figure out what your mission, passion, purpose, whatever you want to call it is, uh, it can avoid very expensive mistakes, both monetarily and time-wise. Next question that's is for great, you, Ali.
1: That's a great response.
0: if and could I just add
1: wait, wait just one sec. Before you get into that next one, yep. it's with the university. It's That's where those deferrals gives you that thinking time where you can where a student coming straight at graduating, they can defer, get their thoughts together and earn money during that break and really get their, their mindset into, hey, is this really for me? Is this really what I want? And I just know from that book that I keep bringing up, The Me and Air Next Door, they talk about how the people, the earlier you start earning, it sounds obvious, doesn't it? But if they, they start earning earlier, they can really fast track their financial success. That success Brilliant. comes in many forms.
0: Brilliant idea. And I know people who have dropped out with one semester left, one year left, one course left, um, because they realized even that, even just doing that last course to finish their degree, it's going to put them behind because they found a better solution to um, tackling the problems and the work that they want to pursue in their life. And they've made a success of it.
1: Yep. True.
0: Ali, next question for you. If interest rates are so low, What even is the point of saving?
1: Oh, really? Well, I'm going to answer this in saying I have never, I earn and save and it's not to put my money in the bank anyway. So I've never really focused too much on the interest rate in the last 30 years of, well, it's more than 30 years since, oh yeah, it's well into, (laughs) I'm giving my age away here. But we do not want to be perturbed by earning and saving Because the saving is not necessarily to sit in the bank anyway to earn bank interest. It's just sitting there. What I do is I earn to save, to invest in assets that appreciate over time and earn me a return. And the whole idea is to get your money working for you. You don't work for your money. That's what I've instilled in my kids. But initially we start working for money and we earn, earn the right... Earn and save. And then once we've saved, we earn the right to invest. So for sure, the answer is most definitely if the interest rates are low and they could be going to zero, we're not make, we're not relying on the banks to, you know, to get financial success. It's not the interest in the bank that's going to make us wealthy. It's the investments that we make using our savings. And that, you know, we've spoken about that before. Earn, save earn the right to invest that's my that's my short answer and and it's most definitely not to go out and spend frivolously I like to be frugal and value the money I value money more than stuff of course I'm guilty of spending needlessly and that sort of thing but my my mission was from such a young age and it was from a from Noel Whittaker actually one of our Australian financial commentators who wrote the book Money and he wrote a series of books. And I was lucky enough to go to a seminar when I was back as a junior accountant. And I just thank Noel for reading this line, invest and spend the rest. So we can't invest until we've earned and saved. So that's what you do. You save and then you you must financially educate yourself before venturing out to invest. And there's lots of these like young millennials. Wow, they're dabbling in crypto and those sorts of things. And I know that we're going to be leading on to another question shortly about the stock market. And so, yeah, my my answer is most definitely, it is still worth saving, because it's the habit of savings. It's not what you it's not what you earn. It's what you do with your money. I'm, I'm I absolutely believe that. So it's not sitting in the bank waiting for the bank to, the banks aren't going to make us rich unless we're borrowing from them to buy real assets that appreciate over time that earn real income. That's how I've I've got (laughs) rich through the banks that way. Yeah, thank you. Okay. Would you like to add anything to that before we move on to your question?
0: No, not a thing, Ali. That was perfect.
1: Okay. Oh, thank you, Brad. Okay, Brad, I have a question for you that's just led on from our previous question. Should I put my money in the stock market?
0: Hmm. Well, do what you want. Um, On the (laughs) one hand, a lot of people have had a lot of success with the stock market, and you certainly can do that. My concern is that with all these rounds of money printing, a lot of that money has gone to the banks. Banks have put it in the stock market, uh, as well as with um, the depositors' funds. Um, and so that's kind of created this a bit of artificial inflation in the stock market Uh, if you choose you know stocks that are likely to do well over the long term you can mitigate your risks with that again not financial advice this is just my personal take Um, but yeah this is uh, it's it's a very strange situation I would say look to the future look to emerging technologies and trends if you want to to pick the right stocks that are likely to do well, or you can opt out of the stock market entirely. I have nothing in there myself. I think it's a casino of people putting enormous money and into enormously overvalued companies. And I think there's very little exception to that and I want no part of it. You might see it differently and that's fine and valid if you've got a, a, a solid case for that. But yeah, I think there's there's different ways to invest. It's not all just the stock market. There's commodities, there's foreign currencies, there's precious metals, there's crypto, there's a wealth of different things out there. And you can just loan money even to uh, a friend or someone that you know who's starting a business and get a little bit of equity and maybe do it that way. Uh, there's no shortage of of ways creative ways that you can invest that money outside the stock market as well so i would encourage thinking about investing beyond just the stock market and maybe it makes sense to put a little bit in the stock market diversify if you again find ones that you think this is probably going to do well over a a long time horizon
1: yeah that's a good answer You've- brought up some valid points there artificially inflated because of the trillions trillions of dollars printing Mm -hmm. and it's pushed the prices of the stock market up so the values like the fundamental the fundamentals of the companies that people are investing in haven't changed so they're actually paying a higher price not and value hasn't actually gone up so when you do that i think there's a lot of what do they call the um, investors, you know, the Robin Hood investors. Mm. Yeah, a lot of them are not understanding the principles of investing in a stock in the first place um, as far as that goes. And I know a lot of people talk about the Fanger, which is Facebook, Amazon, Netflix, uh, and Apple. What is it? The Fanger, yeah. So there they, they're, and Google, I missed out Google. Yeah, Google and then um, Apple at the end. They they're propping those stock market stock market up, and you know a lot of them aren't making Facebook's not making necessarily any more income for the investors, so it's nuts, it's crazy, and Tesla's another one. Ooh, I had a friend, I've got a friend that's teaching us uh, call um, contracts for difference, and the first session, which was maybe three weeks ago, it was the it was around that time when Tesla dropped and Bitcoin dropped twenty four percent, and he shorted. Tesla and, and shorted Tesla and Bitcoin. And he made 20 grand in that day. Wow. And he just read because he teaches us to read the graphs. And what I found through this financial analysis training, and I'm not talking myself up because it's, it's I, what I learned was the biggest takeaway for me is I learned that it's about psychology. The financial analysis, when they read the charts, they are forecasting human behavior because we're like sheep, we, we, we're so predictable. And I found that fascinating. But yeah, I would be saying like in the times that we're in now and at the time of this recording, it's March. So we have in Australia, JobKeeper, JobSeeker that's getting turned off or turned down. We, we won't know whether they're going to extend it until the time comes. And also the loan deferrals are coming off the boil. I believe that this is going to have an effect on the stock market. And there's a lot of financial experts forecasting a crash so I don't have I have money in the stock market but it's basically silver and gold mining shares and gold royalty companies so and I'm going to write it out and that principle that principle that comes from Warren Buffett you know it's that have and hold and when you buy a share in the first place you're buying because you believe in the company and you've done your financial analysis on the company so for gold and silver I mean it's just artificially Keep you know, they're artificially manipulating the prices. So, you know, have and hold right out the lows if you've invested in a company uh, for the right reasons. But this is, again, not financial advice. And you've got to be going into the stock market, you've got to be a little bit gutsy like crypto. It can go up and down Mm. like a roller coaster and you've got to ride out the lows or or cash in and, you know, cut your losses.
0: And one last thing, uh, as I understand it, um, if you buy and hold it for over a year, your capital gains tax is cut in half. Normally it'd be 50%. It goes down to 25% uh, if you hold it for over a year. So thinking about the things that are good long-term is generally a wise move. All right, Ali, next question is for you. Can I wait till later in life to start saving and uh, live it up in my teens' 20s?
1: (laughs) For me, the earlier you start earning, the earlier you start earning and saving and investing, you're going to set yourself up for your financial future. So living in the now, it's this thing that I've, it's like living in the now, you don't want to rob yourself of Mm. living in the now in your future. You don't want to rob your future self by not starting to save and invest now, the earlier, the better. So I'm talking about myself, my my boyfriend at the time is now my husband. We purchased our first property while I was at university. I don't know where there was any others there. But oh and these days, you don't have to just have a big chunk of savings to invest either. If you're investing in other things like, you know, crypto, bullion, that sort of thing, or you know, good quality shares. So I think the the answer to that is. I would, if I was a young youth, I would enjoy the now and, and value self. So it's like paying yourself first. And the great book is The Richest Man in Babylon because it's a, it's, a, it's a storytelling fable, I think they call it. And it's a really short, easy read. And the message of that book is pay yourself first. So then you can spend the rest. Or if you want to do what Bell Whittaker says, earn, save, invest spend the rest that's my short answer
0: so the answer is most
1: definitely start saving early start earning early earlier the better
0: yep like i said the it compounds so there's no reason not to even if you start a little bit smaller than you think it it's um better than not starting at all
1: that's right and if we wait for the if there's going to be a stock market crash Mm. that means all the units they go down These young kids. Well, you've got to be 18 to purchase a share in the first place. We'll keep that in mind. But the parents can form a family trust and start. The kids could start investing in shares through there. But for me, I would be sitting back waiting until you know maybe a big crash. You know, we we don't have a crystal ball, but the writing's on the wall because it's just ridiculous, and it'll it might continue. But yeah, this. This artificially inflated stock market, I would I would seriously step back, earn, save, wait, and then jump in and and start purchasing purchasing some good quality shares, and then they can ride it out, they can have and hold. Yeah, start early. Definitely. So would you like your question now, Brad? Certainly would. Oh, love this one. I touched on it a little bit earlier. Do I need a credit card, Brad, if you're a young teen? What's the answer to this?
0: Well, I'm 29. I've never had one. Um, so clearly you don't need one. Uh, the rebuttal or uh, idea that often comes up then is, well, what if I want to buy a house, get a loan? And we've already addressed that's getting a loan maybe not the greatest uh, way to go, but um, depending on your situation, if you are buying a house, probably going to need a loan and that's okay. What? isn't okay is you may not have a much credit uh, in terms of credit score but you actually do if you've rented if you've paid bills um, you will have a credit score so you don't need a credit card to have a credit score it just helps a lot and so I actually went into the bank um, and asked about that and they said really they only look at the last three months what you've been doing with your money Sometimes they might ask to go back more, but I think legally they can only look at the last three months and you have to um, give them access basically to, to look at more beyond that if you think it'll help your case. So you can go without a credit card and you know if you're thinking about buying, you can get one a little bit ahead of time and you know use it wisely, like Ali said, understand debt, understand it's not something that you max out. Uh, it's something that you buy a little bit of your weekly groceries, the normal things that you'd be buying anyway, and you pay it off and you don't attract um, credit card debt or late fees or anything like that. And basically that will give you everything that you need, apparently, to get a credit score and a credit history that satisfies the bank when it comes to lending you money. So, yeah, I wouldn't recommend credit cards they're valid and have their place um but personally it doesn't interest me at all uh, i think like i said if i can't buy it outright if i can't pay for it then i just can't afford it and sorry i gotta save for a little bit longer
1: that's very true so yeah if you can't afford it you don't buy it so with credit cards if i wouldn't mind adding i know that scott pape recommends in his book uh what's it called again the barefoot investor mm-hmm He recommends putting the credit cards in the blender and chopping them up. And yeah, that's, so that's how against credit cards he is. He talks about uh, the frequent flyers. It's just, you know, probably not worth it with what you think, but the statistics show that when you have a credit card, you're more likely to spend more Mm. on unnecessary, unnecessary spending. I've got a meowing cat here. (laughs) And also um, what I would say about credit cards with a credit score So there's, if we could put it in the links later, there are, so credit score is very important. And when I'm talking to my young sons, and three of my kids, none of them have credit card. There's just no way that one way of building a credit score is if you did have a credit card with a small, a small credit limit, and you did, as you say, use it for your budgeting for your supermarket, for example, or fuel for a car, those necessities, and then you pay it off on or before the date, always. So it's just a really disciplined. So for someone to get a credit card, you need to be very disciplined so that you never ever, my golden rule that was handed down to me by my mum, you never pay credit card interest ever. It's Mm -hmm. just a no-no. If you pay credit card interest, you shouldn't have a credit card. Pop it in the blender like Scott Pape says and chew it up. So yeah, great question.
0: Great uh, addition there, Ali. Uh, I've got a question for you. Is real estate a guaranteed winner?
1: <laughs> it is for me. <laughs> no, you've got to know what you're doing, right? Nothing's guaranteed, really, is it? Like there are no guarantees. It's, it's managing money wisely. It's earning, saving, earning the right to invest, doing financial education, you need to research the area. I've learned this through Noel Whittaker again. I've brought him up again. And I do that because the lessons I learned were in my oh, junior years. I used to listen to my the conversations that uh, my we had around the home, and my dad, my uncle was a builder, and my mum taught me about debt and you know the things that you think people own they don't necessarily own. And here in Australia, I think this is ridiculous what's going on. We're rated number two housing bubble in the world. So the situation right now is BOMO's kicking in fear of missing out. You've heard me talk about this before. If we're acting out of fear, we're not acting out of our executive centre. So we don't want to be investing in real estate through fear of missing out. As Robert Kiyosaki says, you make your money when you buy in. So it's about financially educating yourself. Again, learning from Noel Whittaker, you need to research where you're investing. And for me, property is an investment, So again, you've heard me say, I haven't paid personal debt. I haven't had personal debt. So I own homes, but my first home that we owned, we didn't live in. All the debt that I went into by borrowing from the bank and my husband and I, it was investment debt. So it was paying off investment properties in before tax dollars, not after tax dollars. So when people in Australia, we don't claim our interest as an expense, and if I'm correct, I think they do in the United States, maybe, or could check that out. Not sure. It's different here in Australia. So there's different, there's different strategies. So I've, I've been an, invest, an investor, my hubby and I, where we, we were hold. Like we were, our strategy was have and hold. And we sat on property for years so we bought early, it was an investment. So we claimed all the interest. We accumulated properties by buying one and using the equity and borrowing against another one and paying down, driving back down debt on one. And then all the rents would go into the next one. It's um, yeah, it's sort of almost like I need a, a drawing board to, to explain. But for investment, um, buying investing in property is definitely not a, a guaranteed win. For those who aren't financially educating themselves, it's about timing. It's about buying right. There's so many factors. And for me, the, like you've heard me talk about my son who purchased his first investment property at age 18, which meant he rented it out. He didn't live in it and he never did. So he didn't get the, the stamp duty exemption for being a principal place of residence which was fine, but he needed the income from the tenants to actually get the loan from the bank in the first place. So that's just one strategy. And there's friends of mine with another strategy, just to give you that balance. I've got friends that moved up from Torquay, Victoria, who invested in Noosa Heads, and one by one, they purchased a property, they added value. It was their principal place of residence, which means they lived in it. They added value, sold it a a, a decent capital gain and didn't pay capital gains tax because it was their principal place of residence. And they Uh just did that over and over. So you've got to have a strategy. So, yeah. So I guess to sum that up, if you're going to be purchasing such a, like a big asset, like it's an asset, an asset will determine. I think that's one of our questions later. An asset is something that's valuable that so it has value. And for me, it appreciates over time, it grows, and often the asset will derive a dividend, an income. So your family home, for me, doesn't tick the box of being an investment unless you have a strategy like my friends, where you add value and turn it over and that. But the ins and out costs is so much involved. It's the costs going in, which is when you purchase a property, you've got agents' fees. Oh, that's actually cost of the, um, if you're selling. So when you're buying in, you've got stamp duty and legals. And when you're selling, you've got agent fees and legals. So it's, you've got to factor all this in and you've got to put it down on paper and do your figures, financial education in a nutshell. That's and a good
0: My, my retort to it not being an investment is always, well, people need a place to live. Um, you know, not everything has to be viewed as investment because, uh, you know, some people just have a, a dream and a goal of owning property, whether that's a big place, a small place. Um, what's your What's your response or thinking around that? Is that a valid way to look at it, or does everything have to be seen as purely from a black and white accounting uh, investment lens?
1: Well, I think I've got a financial brain. My I I just think figures all the time. You know. For me, yeah, I've got a dream of owning a beautiful home, and financial patience is a trait of the financially successful. And I can tell you now, I certainly have financial patience. And I think that is lacking in Australia. It's this immediate gratification. So, sure, live in a home, rent it. They say, like, I've, I've, Julio De is a finance mentor of mine, and he, I'll give you this scenario to see if I can send the message out. He says you rent your show pony and you buy your workhorses, hmm. which are your investment properties. So, or you can form like this is not financial advice. You'd probably need to see an accountant and you know slash lawyer to set up a family trust situation where you would possibly in a family trust and then you purchase the home and you rent from the trust. But I just don't believe, as I say, in that deductible un- non-deductible debt and. These interest rates now—I haven't had these interest rates in my lifetime. The ones that we have now, the most I'd paid in interest for a rent, for a, an investment property, which was one number two for us that we purchased when we were quite young in our early uh, mid twenties, and this property was gold. It looked out at the beach. It doubled every three years, but I paid interest of ten percent, but it was deductible, which means we offset it against our trading income. And yeah, and we sat on that property for over 20, about 20 years and therefore the gain was substantial. Mm-hmm. But then of course, the cost is we paid capital gains tax. So again, it's like, I think Australia is rated one of the highest taxed countries in the world. We seriously get taxed so heavily here. And I mean, we, I pay, uh, what do you call it, um, land tax as well. That is just like unbelievable. For any parents that are listening, if you have got assets where you pay land tax, there is, with what's going on in the world right now with the government incentives, there's a 25% you'd have to tick the box and go through it, but you can apply for a land tax reduction of up to 25%, but you've got to prove that your your rental, that you've offered rental relief to your tenants and they're not Airbnb tenants, Airbnb separate. So I just thought I'd add that. So what I did was I applied for land tax reduction, just this one just gone and saved 25% just because I had that knowledge. I missed it the previous year because I didn't have the knowledge, but this year I got it, so. Well,
0: oh, yeah, so answer. did I answer that
1: question?
0: Yeah, you can tell that there's a wealth of experience behind that answer. Um, yeah, and Thank just you. on the on the tax. <laughs> Uh, it is insane here. I've been looking at the Middle East um, as somewhere I can go to do business for a few years and not get completely destroyed by tax as well. So, yeah, it's it's not great. Um, one question left, Ali. Would you like to ask me that?
1: Yes. So, is everything I purchase an asset because it can be resold? I'm pretty mm. sure you're going to know the answer to this one.
0: Well, in a sense, no. <laughs> it can be resold, but that's not a, that's not the definition of an asset. Um, it can help uh, but- offset the um, what you paid for it, so you get most of your money back potentially, uh, depending on what the item is. But really, you want things that, like Ali said earlier, your money works for you. It produces an income. It produces a dividend that you can. Uh, grow and when you sell it you get um ideally most of your money all of your money or an increase back so yeah not everything that you buy is an asset if you go and uh, spend all your money you're not going to be able to reclaim all that money if you sit on it and hold it necessarily i mean you might be incredibly lucky but yeah i think you need to be thinking about everything that you purchase do i need this do i really really want this if I do really, really want this, is it serving me and my life positively? Contributing? Is it going to be something that sits in the closet or something I actually use? Um, yeah, there's no, there's no guarantees, and there's no guarantees that the clothes you buy, the gadgets that you buy, are going to go up. And in almost all cases, they, you're not going to be able to resell them for the same or more as what you paid for them. So definitely not uh, remotely uh, assets. So doesn't mean okay. if it's oh. not an asset, you can't buy it or shouldn't buy it. It just means that you need to look at things as they are um, because no, everything that you buy is not an asset and you're not going to be able to sell it for what you purchased it for.
1: Well, for those who haven't done a university degree in accounting, they defining that asset as... As an asset which is valuable, it's, it has value, grows in, grows in value over time, or derives of an income. If we lock that isn't a definition, mm-hmm. a lot of people have a misconception of what an asset is, which is what you've touched on. They think just because it's a physical thing, whether it's a bike or a car or what have you, or your own home, because I'm pretty sure in I haven't read the book for a while, um, Rich Dad Poor Dad. Yeah, Robert Kiyosaki says, you know, your own home isn't an asset. A lot of I, I, I back that up for Australians because of what we spoke about my answer to the previous question. But let's just talk about what's going on in the world right now. If we're purchasing cars like Land cruises. it's nuts what's going on. I've never known the second hand market to be so buoyant than right mm-hmm. now. It is crazy nuts. I believe that's because um, people are at home. Australians are not traveling. We've got this amazing country, Land Cruiser Utes. My son was, had no intentions of selling his restored Ute that he, that he did up and put his heart and soul into it. He loved it, tweaked it up as, as the young early 20-year-olds do, had his canopy on it. It was valued at 12000 Last year he sold it for 25000 to another youth, like a someone in his early twenties. It's his pride and joy now. I remembered my son's face when he when it drove out. But then, you know what's going on in the world. What I've just learned today, Brad, about the Land Cruiser. Your dad's a in the car industry, isn't he? Yep. Can you do? You want to share that story about? Because this is a way that people are selling assets, uh, depreciable assets. It's called them cars. Not which is like uh, the accounting term would be a depreciable asset, which means it goes down in value. It's an asset because it can get you from A to B and get you to and from work. But like, what's going on in the lake with the land cruises right now?
0: Yeah, it's crazy. There's an extreme shortage. Cars are coming in, like new cars are coming in, you know, on the shipping containers, uh, in dribs and drabs. There's just there's so few of them around, and there's going to be an even bigger shortage coming up because there's a particular um, component. I'm not entirely sure what it is that all cars need. It's part of the sensors, I think. And there's a worldwide shortage of it. So there's going to be an extreme squeeze on cars for the next foreseeable future year, couple of years, potentially. Um, My understanding is Mitsubishi will be less affected because they've just purchased a bulk order of these devices or metals or whatever it is Um, but this is going to affect the entire car market in the coming months and most likely years there's an extreme shortage so that's also going to play into it but right now yeah there's a there's a shortage as there is i've just bought a trailer because i'm starting up a gardening business and it was about 1800 new and people are selling secondhand ones for over 2000 it just doesn't make sense. Um, people have it's been,
1: unprecedented.
0: Yeah, people have. I know people have bought dirt bikes recently, and they've they've sold secondhand ones for more than buying them new. Uh, I know a mate who bought a BMW at the end of 2019 for 20 or 21 thousand. It's worth now close to 30 thousand. Kilometers have gone up. Uh, its age has gone up by a year and a half now, and yet. It's worth more. It's a very, very strange time.
1: It is. It's very strange. It's unprecedented. So because that was such a great question that you asked is everything I purchase an asset because it can be resold. Is it this interesting because mm. I, I got this next door neighbor. He's now 17 turning 18. I just love watching him. He buys things online like boats and jet skis and cars because he's mechanical And his dad's mechanical and he's always out there with his dad doing stuff and sawing down trees. I just love watching his dad teach these lessons to his son. And he just tweaks it, puts it on the market. He tried to buy a jet ski, you know, and he's trying to buy two things from us because my son sells stuff online. So I just wanted to add that because this is one way that young kids, if their parents have got some assets around the house, you know, jet skis, a boat, a car. My son, Sam, getting back to him, he's a wheeler and a dealer, Sam, right? He bought a land. What do you call it? A Land Rover Defender, if I'm correct. It's a limited edition. He bought it from one of our landscapers for thirty thousand and sold it for thirty five. Just flipped it. It was. So this is my answer. I don't want to say like, you know, you can make money by buying and selling, but there's a purpose there. You've got a strategy, see? Because we're not hanging on to the cars, paying registration insurance waiting for it to depreciate it's just this crazy times that we're living in and I've the, the, what I read this morning, my husband read it out that Australians, because they are traveling around this beautiful country, getting back to the land cruises, they are paying well over the value of the cars. We're talking a, it's like seriously tens of thousands. I don't want to misquote so this is a, like an artificial inflation. This is the result of the global world printing trillions of digital currency. It's causing hyperinflation and we're paying more for everything, including food. Please let our listeners do your own research, pardon me, in the supermarket. Things are going up. So it's really time that need to value value what you're doing. Really have a conscious, conscious decision. Ask those questions. Do I need it? Do I need it now?
0: I think and that cool. makes sense. Can I buy it and make money? A brilliant key takeaway. Okay. And I guess mine would be, yeah, I think think about whether you want or need something before you purchase it. Uh, it seems obvious, like who doesn't do that? But uh, I think asking yourself a few more critical questions about. You know, upgrading your phone. Do you really need? Can you can you get by with a, a phone that's you know perhaps a little bit slow and a, a little bit annoying uh, for an extra three three months, six months, and then get a new one later on? Because that phone's going to slow down eventually, and uh, that can save you money over the long term if you tough it out with things that are you know a little bit irritating, but maybe you don't need to replace them right away.
1: Exactly, you don't fix it. If it's not broken, don't fix it. Don't replace it. And that's true with the iPhone. That's a prime example. Admit I I haven't got my phone here, but it's got a broken screen and it's been broken for months. It's a little bit embarrassing when I show people, but like, oh, I don't care about that. It's just that I'll update my phone when I'm good and ready. Yeah, they just—it's crazy. Uh, Yeah. So you can save thousands by asking those valuable questions.
0: Yeah, and the other valuable question on that same front is, do you need the latest iPhone, $2,000, or can you get a OnePlus for $300? You know, that's going to be my next phone, I think. And it seems like a far better option than, you know, even the low, even the budget sort of Samsung's uh, at least 500. And I can't justify that for a phone. It just, it's exorbitant amount of money. I want to invest my money and have returns coming in rather than, buying a a phone that it isn't even that much better than the the one plus in fact the one plus might have better uh, hardware in it it's just the name samsung or apple
1: yeah absolutely brands people are if people are influenced by brands that can cost that can be costly very yeah, much great so. takeaway
0: all right thanks for listening be sure to like share subscribe And leave a comment if you've got a topic idea for us or, you know, disagree with us about something. We're happy to uh, respond and have a think and maybe it turns into a future podcast episode. Have a good one. Bye for now.
1: Thanks. Thanks, Brad. Enjoyed that. It was terrific.